Majjhanatramanandasya Jnajna Salakaya Chakshun Militanyenat Smai Shri Gurave Namaha Vajkaptubhyascha Kripasindavivacha Patitanam Pamanevyo Vaishnavijanamo Namaha Good evening everyone. Thank you for coming. This evening we will be uh, concluding discussion on the uh, third verse of Srila Rupa Goswami's Upadeshamrita, um, a verse dealing specifically with those items that are favorable to our devotional practice. And tonight's discussion will, will center on that most favorable, uh, following in the steps of those that are properly situated in devotional service. It's the unique characteristic of devotional service. We will always be following in those footsteps. Uh, we will live, leave the realm of transition between material existence and spiritual existence, uh, which has been favorably granted to us by the mercy of the sadhu and as we progress in devotional practice uh, through the various stages however long that may take uh, we're really not concerned with the length of time we're concerned about the quality of our practice so whenever Krishna wants to bestow us with his blessing through the agency of his pure devotees, then we will gratefully accept that blessing. In whatever way it comes, we will not make any distinction. Of course, there are many that will say, well, I'm beyond hope. The only hope for me is some, some special benediction. I need to be one of those. I need to attain my perfection, my city, by, by that creeper city. Otherwise, there's no hope. Well, of course, there's Kripa City, which is very exceptional, but it's not the norm. And the Sadika actually is seeing, if he really contemplates the situation, it's all Kripa City, the whole practice. So how, this, how the Lord's agent determines to deal with us that is his his mercy if he wants to make the if he wants it to be a gradual uh, purification of our existence or if he wants to uh, uh, immediately give us some uh, entrance which is well beyond our qualification uh, that's his prerogative and we 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 just humbly accept that, whatever whatever may come. In that mood, we can go on. And that's kind of what's imbibed in this third verse of Upadesha Amrita. Uh, nectar, this, this nectar of, of instruction. Utsahan nischaya daryat tat tat karma pavartana sangha twaga satovrite sadbir bhaktir prasidyati so enthusiasm, patience, confidence, 
these characteristics will will carry us through uh, our practice no matter what the circumstance and this taking up devotional principles uh, either broad or narrow uh, according to our capacity whether we try to pull into our practice all the detailed directives of Rupa Goswami uh, in every way, shape, and form, or we realize this may be beyond our capacity and we, we try to concentrate on just, just hearing or just chanting or just remembering or just serving the devotees or just anything. Let me do something right. Or if, as Ramanujacharya said, even if I can't do anything right, let me just sit in the association of the sadhu. That in and of itself, that may be all I can do. Well, that in and of itself may be all you have to do. That's the exceptional mercy of that association. So this evening we're coming to this this following in the footsteps of the sadhus. How to follow in their footsteps. When we look at this following, we have to see that it's done in the proper mood. We have to we have to have the the proper mindset. Mahajano Yena Gatasapantha. Maha, the Mahajans, the great devotees. We have to follow the path that they have they have put forth for us. And there's an interesting verse from the Bhagavatam. I read the uh, again from the Uddhava Gita. Lord Krishna is given instruction to Uddhava. And he, he says the followings, and it, it gives us a perspective of, of what is our situation. We're, we have a very unique situation that we have, that we're in. Uh, so we'll discuss it a little bit. But I'll read the English. The human body can award all benefit in life, and it is automatically attained by the laws of nature, although it is a very rare achievement. This human body can be compared to a perfectly constructed boat, having a guru as the captain, and the instruction of the Lord as favorable winds impelling it on its course. Considering all these advantages, a human being who does not utilize this human life to cross the ocean of material existence should be considered the killer of his own soul. That's a little harsh. Or is it? What a rare opportunity. We hear from the Veda that there are 8,400,000 
species of living entities. Mm. We could not even count the number of entities within our proximity. Unlimited jivas uh, populate this material realm. And the Bhagwat is saying here, Krishna is instructing Uddhav, he says, this is, this is the, you, someone who has come to this platform of human existence, how rare is that when you look at all these different species of living entities? I mean, how many birds, how many beasts, how many trees? Microbes. <laughs> so unlimited. Actually, there the Bhagavatam gives us a breakdown of. Uh, I can't. I didn't look it up for this class. And I'm an old man. I can't remember anything anymore. But anyway, uh, in every there's so many species of of uh, plants, so many animals, and it's all spelled out. Uh, Four hundred thousand human species alone. Uh, so many birds. I think there was a million birds. Yeah. So I got one. <laughs> so here from the Bhagavatam we're hearing this human form of life is extremely rare. Somehow or other in this cycle of birth and death continually going up and down here we are at human life which is distinct. There's some distinction I mean, the Supreme Lord's, you know, breathed life into every living entity, but we have some gift of intelligence that allows us to make some inquiry that the other living entities in other bodies and within the material realm do not have. They're not afforded that luxury of, oh, where did I come from? How did I get here? What's my purpose here? <laughs> Most of the other living entities are their purpose is to stay alive. How can I <laughs> can I how can I somehow or other get away from this other thing that's chasing me? He's bigger than I am. He's coming to eat me and there's some little thing out there. If I eat that, I can live. And then natu a natural tendency is there. Oh, there's some natural tendency to keep the species going. So at a certain time of year or once in their lifetime, they'll, they'll procreate. Sometimes they'll procreate and, and the, and the uh, other half of the equation will immediately consume them. <laughs> I mean, what kind of life is the human, you know is the advantage of the human form, the animal species, eating, sleeping, mating, defending. Humans are also doing these things, but they can say, why? The animals is like, they don't have time to ask why. They don't have that little bit of intelligence to, to make those inquiries. Tato Brahma Jignasa.
Now, in this human form of life, ask why. You have the opportunity. Don't misuse it. And the Bhagavatam is saying here, if you misuse it, this, this is the opportunity to know who you are. And if you don't do that, we might as well just call you a killer of the soul. Because what's going to happen? This rare opportunity to realize your true self, this rare opportunity of self-realization will again bypass you. And in bypassing you, then again into the cycle of birth and death in so many species of life. So you have an opportunity. And what to speak of an opportunity wherein you are blessed with the association of a sadhu, of a devotee, that who can really show you there is some true prospect here in this form of life. You can use this particular body as a boat. And if you use it in that way, you can be, go beyond the miseries of eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Birth, death, old age, disease. You can pass beyond those temporary things in a most extraordinary way. So you have a boat? Listen to what I say. I can show you how to do this. Make me your captain. I was an old hippie. There used to be a song okay. <laughs> like that. I thought it was always the fact that the poor soul, which I was at that time, was so intoxicated, he needed a captain just get to get back to his normal life. <laughs> Well, that's really our situation if you look at it. Whether we've induced our intoxication by some foolish drug at a, at a, a revolutionary time in, in, in human civilization, or whether we've intoxicated ourselves in a thousand other ways by the material energy, we can take advantage of a captain. And we can get out of the miserable condition. So the song applies no matter where you are. We need a captain. And if we place the captain, and we take advantage of the ship, Krishna will blow the favorable winds our way. His Swarup Shakti will come into our life by the agency of the captain, and we will make the destination by grabbing onto his lotus feet. An amazing thing about this boat. Once you realize you can use the human form in this boat and it has a captain and favorable winds, when you fully take advantage of that, what you find out is the boat's still on the other shore waiting for other people. Mm. The amazing characteristic of devotional life. This accepting of the Mahajans. Mahajano Yena. Gatasapantha. Following their path. Following their directions. 
how to do that. Let us do this in which way? Anukarana or Anusarana? Two methods. People follow the Mahajans. One method is the correct way and one not so good. Anusarana means that we follow in their footsteps. Anukarana means that we simply imitate them. Anusarana means that we follow Krishna's directive from the Bhagavad Gita. Tadvidi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadakshanti te jnanam janinas tadvadarsana So we employ these proper things. Pariprashnena sevaya We surrender, we inquire confidentially and we render service to the guru Not that we imitate the guru. Oh, let me dress like the guru. I will wear the beads, I will put the, the clay, and soon I will be the guru. I will just imitate what he does, and then people will, I'll, I'll even imitate the words he, I'll learn the verses he knows. I'll learn the style that he uses to preach. I will, I will imitate in this way I will become the guru. That's Anukarana. That will not serve us well. Generally, that kind of approach is fueled by Pratista. We want some something for ourselves. We want the glory. But devotional service means I want the service. Devotional service, I really want to follow. I want to follow. I want to serve. I want to follow. I want, I want to attain what the prospect that the spiritual master is offering to me. So these classes we've been dealing, we've been discussing Bhaktivinoda Thakur's essays on these 12 items, six unfavorable, six unfavorable and six favorable devotional practice. And he's brought out some interesting things. He's, he's looked at these things in, in, in very unique ways. This is the, this is the unique characteristic of, of the of the Acharya. He's able to present the knowledge uh, in a way that's appropriate for, for the student according to time, place, and circumstance. So we look at a book like Upadesh Amrita and there's so many commentaries by the Acharyas 
And they all bring out, they all draw out certain aspects of Rupa Goswami's teaching. Rupa Goswami, just a very simple book, Upadesha Amrita. So much is there, but every Acharya, he can bring out certain things. And if you read all these different commentaries, it's amazing. There's always some gems of real practical knowledge there that can enhance our devotional practice. This is the uniqueness of of our sampradaya that we have these these amazing uh, and this is also there in other sampradayas but uh, we like ours we like to be the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, uh, we love the Goswami's commentaries and we love the commentaries on the Goswami's commentaries and books and we love the commentaries on the commentaries of the of the great devotees who who have who are trying to make us devotees, uh, they don't have any other interest. Uh, we would be certainly uh, very much ill-informed if we thought that they did. And that's one thing I did want to touch on here. Uh, and this is kind of my own commentary not that I'm qualified to give a commentary but there's a uniqueness in the way that my spiritual master his divine grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada was empowered to spread Krishna consciousness in the western world even his contemporaries saw this empowerment. Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Dev Goswami says, Nityananda Avesh, no one could do what he's done unless Nityananda personally gave him energy to do this. So it's very unique when you have such an amazing empowerment by one of the Acharyas in the line of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And if you really look, if you look closely at, at, at the line, uh, none of these great Acharyas coming in our line uh, could accomplish what they would, did without <clears throat> empowerment. But it comes in different degrees. So no one can deny the special empowerment of, of Srila Prabhupada, Isi Bhaktivedanta cannot be denied but it cannot be segregated he cannot be segregated and separated from the soil of the sampradaya which fueled his worldwide preaching mission this is always a tendency and it is not a unique period in time now separate from the same tendencies that have happened repeatedly through the history of our Sampradaya 
whenever there's been someone extremely magnificent coming forth as the Acharya, as the Jagat Guru, somebody that is such an Acharya that he's recognized as an Acharya that's sufficiently empowered to liberate a whole universe. Mm. After they depart, after their sadhika pastimes have, uh, have wound up, there's always a tendency by their disciples to say, well, it doesn't get better than that. It just can't get better than that. No one can top that one. That was the best show ever. Who could disagree? But the show must go on. <laughs> and I think it's important we remember that the show must go on. And, and the, dis the show did not end when my spiritual master wrapped up his sadhika pastimes. It's going forward. And others will be empowered and they will be just as powerful to their disciples as Prabhupada was to me. And they will benefit their disciples to the extent, same extent that Prabhupada benefited his disciples. At this point in time, it's unique. It's so unique and Prabhupada was so powerful that even there's some um, apasampradayas sprouting up uh, because of the way he was empowered and spread Krishna consciousness. Uh, we don't need to waste our time hundreds of thousands of hours have already gone into endless debate mm. regarding this these misconceptions that have been put forth within the last uh, three and four decades since Prabhupada left. But let us at least give some credit where credit is due. Someone may have so much love for Prabhupada that they can't see beyond him. But that is not the love that Prabhupada would want them to have for humanity at large going forward. Um, there is no place that we'll find in our tradition where uh, the current of transcendental knowledge coming forward is, is abated, is cut off or ended without a living connection. So we will not accept nor will we put forth doctrines which are not based on seeing Prabhupada the proper concept, the soil that, that nurtured his, his empowerment coming from Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu. We will not yank Prabhupada from that and put him on a pedestal independent of the foundational movement of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu which he represents.
fully. Doing so is a disservice, not a service to him. So let's go back a couple of charyas to Bhaktivinoda Thakur and what he looked at, the way he looked at this particular twelfth uh, item in a series of articles that he put forward. Oh, and by the way, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he was also looked at in a pretty unique way. Uh, he was given some pretty profound accolades for the way that he presented Krishna consciousness too. And by Prabhupada. Huh? And by Prabhupada. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was considered the seventh Goswami. He was that profound in his spreading of Lord Chaitanya's movement. That he was able to 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 look at the philosophy of Chaitanya Dave and he was able to present it to humanity to his contemporaries, to a floundering Vaishnav following who had lost their way, he was able to resurrect the purity of Shaitanya's movement in such a way that he was referred to as the seventh Goswami. Who would want to segregate Prabhupada from that in any way? In looking at this sixth item of items favorable, following in the footsteps of the great devotees, um, what Bhakti Vinod has done as he has, and here again, time, place, and circumstance, who he was preaching to, how he was preaching. So we can see that in his, in his presentation. So he talks specifically about the renunciants and the householders, two different sides of uh, those that are both devotees, the devotees. They fall into these two broad categories, those that, that, are, that are renounced and those that are in the household. And what he does in presenting this item of following in the footsteps or acting as the sadhus would act. How would the sadhu act? And what he does to illustrate that is very unique in his commentary, his essay. Uh, he looks at the Asanga of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu. How did what in that Sangha during the pastimes of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu with all of his devotees, how did all the best characteristics of those devotees who were the Lord's personal associates manifest? in a way to, to give light that could be followed by all sadhikas coming in the wake of that sangha. Imagine that sangha, those devotees who were with Lord Chaitanya at the time of his 
manifest Sankirtan movement. Can you imagine? So many, I mean, Krishna's eternal associates take on the forms of sadikas and they they come down and they show this is the way you do devotional service the right way. This is how you be renounced. This is how you be a householder. This is how you please Lord Chaitanya. This is how you displease. There always has to be that person that has to get the bad, you know, not everybody can be the heroine. There also has to be the villain every time somebody goes on the stage. So there are also some of his associates that played played wrong and had to be rectified and corrected. What Bhaktivinoda Thakur does in looking at following in the footsteps is he he takes these particular pastimes of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates and he looks at those pastimes that should be studied by the householder as exemplars of how to follow in the footsteps of the Mahajans in their sadhaka deha we're all sadhikas we have a sadhika form we, be, we got that body that spiritual body which now is, is that body we're using to fully refine to pure gold who we really are so by this refinement by this sadhana bhakti we are simply purifying our existence so that we can be with Krishna and serve him perfectly so there's a transition period we're going through and this is a wonderful transition it's a metamorphosis we're going to become a phoenix mm-hmm. we'll be able to fly really fly nothing will hold us back mm-hmm. but in order to do that to get to that stage we have to become a perfect sadhika so Bhaktivinoda looks at different verses from Chaitanya Bhagavat by Vrindavan Das and Chaitanya Charitamrita by Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami and he pulls out these verses as beacons as to how we should conduct ourselves as householders and how we should conduct ourselves as renunciants in order to properly fully take advantage of what's been offered by Sri Shaitanya in when Krishna personally comes to teach you how to be a devotee and brings all of his intimate friends there's a lot to be learned out of that Sangha there's not enough time for me to go through everything for the householders and everything for the renunciants and everything for all devotees because he breaks his his essay on this item of following in the footsteps of the devotees 
he breaks it down into the, those three broad categories. How much time do we have here? Hmm. So he begins, he says this, in order to, to, to put us in the perspective, he says, unless one makes the gross and subtle bodies favorable for devotional service, one cannot engage in such. There is a need for some arrangements in order to attain a favorable condition in those two bodies, gross and subtle, the way we act and the way we think, beyond thinking, use our intelligence, put our ego in the proper place, mind, intelligence, false ego. As far as the external body, well, there's certain things we have to do to so we purify both aspects of our Sadhikandeya. So much so that if we look, we look back to the discussion of Madhurya Kadamani, that the material body is actually, it becomes spirit, it's just, it's compared to pulling, putting an iron rod in a fire. In due course, that iron rod is, has the same exact potency as fire. It's interesting, somebody sent me a question the other day. They said, I've heard that you can't really experience bhava in a material body. Is that right? Because the body can't contain that much pleasure or transcendental emotion. Well, Yes, but by the time someone's come to the stage of bhava, do they still have in the material body? They're no longer influenced by karma. We look at our spiritual master, and we never see the spiritual master as even having a material body. Uh, He gives us an opportunity to think he has one. He may act like he has a cold. Or his body may even have a cold to give us an opportunity to do some service. But we should never think the spiritual master has a material body. It's a fine line to, to, to walk, but we walk it, we must. We must see things through the eyes of Shastra. Shastra Shakshush. Our vision has to be that. So, can someone exhibit body bhava on the material plane? Well, absolutely they can. Do they exhibit the highest reaches of bhava? Generally not. I mean, Lord Chaitanya did, and people just couldn't take it, just even as, just even conceiving of the way he was experiencing these transcendental emotions and trying to show, well, really in the material body they kind of beyond imagination blood is pouring out of the pores what's that about or the, the joints are becoming you know disjointed and he's 
So uh, to see that, we would just be, you know. Does he? Well, we know Krishna doesn't have a material body. We we know that we cannot see the spiritual master as having a material body. That'll be detrimental to the way we see our guru. So he's giving us an opportunity to serve. He's exhibiting a material body. But the philosophy has to be understood. Sambandagyan is so important to us to neglect this foundational knowledge that there are stages of advancement. Adao, Shraddha, Tata, Sadhu, Sangha, Tha, Bhajana, Kriya, Sadhu, Faith, Sadhu, Bhajana, Kriya, Anartha, Nivriti, Nista, Ruchi, Asakti, Bhava, Prem. And at different stages, the material body is is the the different seeds of of karmic reaction. The parabda karma, even the parabda karma that we are experiencing. I was the daughter of this person. I was born in this family, in this culture, in this society. That's even even dissipated as one advances through the stages up to the stage of bhava and praying. So we have to see in this way. We have to see through the eyes of Shastra. So Bhakti, you notice I said stresses an understanding of following in the footsteps of the sadhus by stressing following in the footsteps of the associates of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu, his Sangha, and how they acted. I'll see if I can highlight a couple. I would recommend everybody, and I will make it available to everybody that wants it, read uh, this Bhakti Aloka. It's, it's available in PDF format mm. if you want it. And specifically read this ending and see how Bhaktivinoda drew from these pastimes from Chaitanya Bhagavat and Chaitanya Charitamrita to give us beacons of light as to how to conduct our lives. So the pramana, the evidence, he pulls this evidence of how to conduct ourselves in the association of devotees, which is what? Well, it's this is the way you follow, follow the footsteps of the people that gave us the perfect example of what is Vaishnav culture. Sri Shaitanya and his immediate associates. So in three parts, read it, enjoy it, just it's very relishable. I couldn't I would be here for a couple evenings just reading all the quotes. So this means Bhakti Vinod has taken the time. Imagine. He's taken the time. Or he knows these scriptures by heart. Oh, that's nice too. <laughs> but he's taken the time, whether he knows it by heart or not, to write down every all these individual passages and put them into perspective of how we conduct ourselves as householders, how we conduct ourselves as renunciates, and how we conduct ourselves as devotees in those three categories. So that'll conclude our discussion of these first three verses of Upadesha Amrita.
I've been requested by higher authority to complete Upadesha Amrita uh, discussion, so we'll go through to the end of the 11 verses uh, as much as we can. Are there any questions? Thank you so much for your association. Hare Krishna.